Well, hey, if you've got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on, go to Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel is in the Old Testament, and it's a little bit hard to find. So as you're flipping through your Bible, you're like, I don't know where that is. Listen, don't ever be afraid to look in your table of contents, okay? Don't feel like people are going to think, well, I should know my Bible better than that. No, get out of here. Look in your table of contents. I do it all the time, so we're in good company. We'll be Bible losers together, and we don't know where Ezekiel is. But don't be afraid to use your table of contents. Before we get into it today, we're going to learn for a minute. We got to go to school. So thinking caps on, here we go. We're in this series talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And it's been super fun. And I think it's been really challenging. A lot of us have thought, man, this is new. This is fresh. This is a different perspective. This is stuff maybe you haven't heard before. It's also surfaced a ton of great questions. And you all have had awesome questions. And one of the things that we keep hearing is, okay, you guys are talking all about the Holy Spirit, but I've always heard the phrase, the Holy Ghost. So which is it? Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? Is this something different? Is this the same thing, same person? What, what's going on here? It's such a good question. So I want to talk about it for just a minute because a lot of us have heard Holy Ghost. Really has a lot to do with the word in the Bible there, translated ghost or spirit. Pastor Joe talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There's this, this word there. It's the word ruach in the Old Testament in Hebrew. It's the word pneuma in the New Testament in Greek. And this word that we have there, ruach and pneuma, that we translate spirit, or in some translations, ghost, it also means wind or breath. See, the biblical authors were trying to describe something unseen, something immaterial that you can't touch, you can't see, but they're also trying to describe a person, that this is not merely some power or some force, but no, the Holy Spirit is a person. And so as the Bible was being translated and edited in English, they landed on to describe something that's powerful, but not just a Force, this is a person, they landed on this phrase, Holy Ghost. And over the years, that's the phrase that was used in the Bible. Now, if you look in your Bible translations, often you'll go, man, I don't see Holy Ghost. I only see Holy Spirit. Like, what's, what's the deal? Well, as the English language changed and we developed it and a new connotation around certain words sort of came up, the word ghost becomes a little problematic, doesn't it? Because when you think about ghost, what do you think about? A dead person, right? A ghost is a spirit of a deceased person. Or it's like Charlie Brown Halloween, and it's a costume, right? White sheet, couple of eye holes just floating around the neighborhood, you know, ooh, scaring the, scaring the other kids. Clearly, neither of those is what the biblical authors intended about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, of course, is not the spirit of a dead person. God is alive, and the Holy Spirit's job is not to freak anyone out. It's not to, the Holy Spirit doesn't wander around and scare people and haunt people, right? And so as we just developed the English language, a lot of translators felt like, ah, it doesn't really fit. And so in a lot of older translations, maybe like the King James version of the Bible, which a lot of us grew up on, a lot of us met Jesus in the pages of a King James Bible. Many of you might still have it in your hands right now. They used Holy Ghost, but in a lot of the newer translations, you'll see Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever, uh, really good question, but you can use either. That's just why we land where we land now on the Holy Spirit. So keep your questions coming because you have good ones. And if you're thinking it, other people are probably thinking it 
And we would love to, to be able to answer them and talk about them. So what are we doing today? What are we talking about today? We're continuing in our series on the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to give you sort of the end. I'm going to give you the punchline of where we're going to land. And then we'll figure out how to get there. But here's what I want to accomplish today is that when God puts his spirit in you, when he puts his Holy Spirit in you, he gives you life. When God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you, he gives you life. That's what we're gonna talk about, and we're gonna use Ezekiel to get there. So honestly, we're going straight into the deep end of the pool. In Ezekiel, let me give you a quick history lesson of what's going on in the world the Israelites, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, were once the world's most powerful country. I mean, they were just the jewel of everything. Now they find themselves sort of in desperate times. They're in despair. They have been exiled. Many of them have been taken from their home in Jerusalem, from their families, exiled, basically they're prisoners of war, into the nation of Babylon. Babylon comes into Jerusalem, sacks Jerusalem, and says, listen, the brightest among you, the wealthiest among you, the most talented, the most creative, we're taking you with us. You're coming with us, and you work for us now. And so a bunch of these people are exiles in Babylon. And Babylon is this nasty country, really powerful nation. And so the Israelites are in exile, kind of wondering, like, what do we do? There's, there's really no way out of this. They're not going to rise up and challenge Babylon. So they, they're kind of without hope, not knowing what they're going to do and how they're going to get home. There's a young guy by the name of Ezekiel who is among the exiles. And God taps old Zeke on the shoulder and he says, listen, buddy, you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to speak to the nation of Israel for me. And this is what God often does in the Old Testament. He uses prophets. And so Ezekiel is going to be a prophet. And his job is to, to call the nation of Israel back, to call them to repentance. They have much to repent of. They have worshiped false gods. They've treated each other awful. I mean, their culture, their country is so full of social injustice and these class systems. They have much to, to repent of. And so it's going to be Ezekiel's job to call them to repentance. But God also tells him, hey, listen, buddy, uh, unfortunately, no one's going to listen to you. I mean, you can shout from the rooftop and no one's really going to. And that's sort of a pattern in the Bible, that God sends prophets to speak for him, but nobody really listens. But God, in this case, God is so passionate, he goes, okay, my people don't want to listen to my, my prophet. Well, I'm going to go even further. I so badly want my people to return to Israel. I so badly want them to have life and hope again and to have goodness and joy in their lives that I will go one step further. It's not just a prophet. I am going to go myself. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. If they don't want to listen to the prophet, I'll go myself to them. And he explains how all of that works, how he comes to give life. He explains it in Ezekiel. Let me show, show you Ezekiel 37, right at the top there, starting in verse one. Ezekiel speaking says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among the bones, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So it's kind of this gross scene, right? I mean, imagine you have this dream or this vision, and, and really what you see is, 
is bones, just dead, dry bones. As far as you can see, like there's not really even room to walk or you're gonna crunch down on these disgusting dry bones. This is more of a horror movie than it really is of a prophecy. It's, it's gross. About a year ago, we, uh, we started remodeling our basement. Our, our house was built in the early 70s and the basement, basement was finished at the time, but it hasn't been touched since then, hadn't been updated or renovated since then. So we wanted to remodel it. And so we go in and it's got this awesome like floral linoleum floor on the ground. It's fantastic. And we had to scrape that up. You know, it's like 50 year old glue under there. And we're high as a kite from the toxic fumes that are coming up from it. And it has, in our basement, we had this awesome like wood paneling and they went with like this really rich, dark color because you want your basement to feel like a dark cave. And so that's what they had put in there. Whatever, it was awful, right? And as we're going through and we're tearing stuff out, we're scraping up the floor and we're pulling down walls, we're pulling down this wood paneling. Every once in a while, we'd pull down the wall and we'd jump back because there would be a mouse skeleton in the wall. Like just a skeleton there just just frozen, however it died, just stuck there, right? And just jumped back and oh gosh, it was so gross. And we're going through our basement. We probably found, I don't know, 10, 12 of these creepy little mouse skeletons. And when I was reading this story, it reminded me of that because bones and death, it's, it's gross. There's something gross about it. There's something creepy about it. And so Ezekiel has this vision and all he can see is bones. Dry, sun-bleached, cracked bones, fractured open. There's nothing, they're just, they're, they're frail, they're fragile. There's no marrow left in them, there's no strength in them, just these, these bones. It's, it's gross. And God asks Ezekiel this really strange question in verse three. He asks him, he says, son of man, can these bones live? And it's really a silly question, like, no, they're, they're just bones, right? They're, they're bones. It's like the, the, the mice, the skeletons in, in my walls. They're, they're not gonna come back to life. And it's like, thank God, they're not gonna come back to life and scurry around the basement. No, they're just bones. They're gross, but they're dead. Basically, God is going, is there potential for life here? There's all these dead, dry bones. Is there potential for life? And it's sort of like, well, no, they're just bones. Ezekiel does the wise thing, though. He doesn't want to limit God's power, so he responds. I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Basically, he goes, uh, God, I, I guess you're, you're capable of anything. I mean, I'm not really sure how you're going to do it. As far as I can see, it's just fragile bones everywhere. But I, okay, God, I guess you can really do anything. I don't want to limit you, so fine. I, I, I guess that you can do that. And, and the story takes this, really this deep dive now. I mean, really, we're gonna go deep into the pool here. I hope you brought a snorkel with you because it's, it's a little heavy. It goes deep into this vision. But before we go there, I, I, you gotta remember something. I need you to know something before we get there. Remember this, I talked about it a couple of minutes ago. Pastor Joe, again, talked about it back in week one. You gotta remember this. As we go through, I'll point it out, that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the word breath and the word wind and the word spirit, they're all the same word. They're this Hebrew word, ruach. So breath and wind is the same as spirit. They're interchangeable. I need you to remember that as we go through this vision. And I'm gonna point out to you as we go, why? Because you're gonna see this word 
show up a bunch, and I think it matters. Listen to the vision, verse four. Then God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath, there's that word, ruah. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath, ruach, in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God goes, hey, Zeke, watch this trick. I'm gonna make these bones come alive, all these fractured, broken, dry bones. I'm gonna give them life. I'm gonna make them come to life. And how is he going to do it? He says that he's going to, he's going to give these bones breath, ruach, wind, spirit. And that will give them life. Don't miss this. There's this juicy little nugget here in this story. Ezekiel is pointing back, and God is pointing back to the beginning of the Bible. If we rewind to the beginning of the Bible, and we look at where God made man, listen to the story, right? It says that Lord God, this is Genesis 2, the Lord God formed the man, ready? From the dust of the ground. What did he do? He breathed. God gave life by breathing into the nostrils, and he breathed what? The breath, the spirit of life. He into man. God animates what is lifeless with his breath. God animates what has no life with his spirit. He, and now there's life. Little heavy, I know. Keep going with me. Verse seven. He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath, no ruach in them. So it gets a little creepier, right? I mean, imagine rattling sound. Just you're standing there, you're Ezekiel. Rattling sound. Bones start dancing on the ground, start moving towards each other start coming together, joints are forming. Now muscles are starting to attach. There's, there's ligaments and tendons coming together. This is starting to look like a body. Now there's skin. Faces are starting to form. Ezekiel was in the valley of dry bones. Now he's walking through a graveyard and there are bodies everywhere. These bodies have muscles and tendons. They look like people. They have faces but there's still corpses. There's still dead people. Why? He just told us because they don't have breath in them. They don't have any ruach in them. I mean, it just, it just makes sense. If you have a body, it can look like a real person, but unless it has breath, it's a corpse. That little, the little mice in my basement, you could slap some skin on them. You can give them a tail, beady little eyes. Guess what? They're still dead. They don't have any breath in them. Until you have breath, ruach, spirit, you don't have life. Keep going, verse nine. And God said to me, prophesy to the breath, 
There's that word. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, ruach, from the four winds. Guess what word that is? It's ruach. And breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as God commanded me, and breath, ruach, entered them, and they came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Now we're talking. We had a valley of dry bones. We put skin on those bones. We gave them faces, but they're still just dead people without breath, without life. They're dead, but now we have an army. What changed? Ruach, breath. Spirit, God put spirit in them and breath in them. And now these dead bodies have life and not just a little life. This is an army. And it's so bizarre, this vision. But Ezekiel sees this picture, a front row seat to God's power that God can take something that looks dead. God can take something that seemingly has no life and he can turn it into something living, something breathing and full of life, so full of life, strong enough to fight. Finish the story. Verse 11, then God said to me, son of man. Oh, he explains it, son of man. These bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit, guess what word? Ruach in you. And you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This story is about Israel then. God goes, Israel, you are dead. Spiritually speaking, dry bones, Israel, you're like this guy. I still have PTSD when I see this thing. I mean, these suckers were just staring at me, and they'd scare me every time. God goes, this is what you're like. Bones, dry bones, you are just a corpse. You need revival, Israel. What does he mean by revival? It means what is dead I want to give life to. I want to bring it back to life. And what will revive you? Ruach, breath, spirit of God. Without God's spirit, dry bones. Corpses at best. So what's going on here? I mean, Ezekiel is having this vision. Let's try and make a little bit of sense out of it. What, what's happening? This is something that was called prophecy, right? And prophecy is one type of writing in the Bible where God is going to declare or predict or warn about something that is coming in the future. And so God gives Ezekiel this vision. God gives Ezekiel this metaphor of something that is actually going 
to happen. This isn't some sort of ambiguous poetry that Ezekiel is just out sort of writing whatever he wants. No, this is actually a metaphor that's relating to a specific historical event for Israel. In the Old Testament, this is the way that God often speaks. We've talked about this. God uses prophets to speak on his behalf. He uses people who will tell the truth, who will warn, who will predict, who will tell people about God's promises of what's to come. And we don't need to get caught up in this too much, but I think it's important. I think it's worth looking at and slowing down for a few minutes because when we read prophecy in the Bible, we gotta try and understand a little bit about sort of what and who is involved. You can't read prophecy and just go, like just read everything in the Bible and go, well, it's about me. No, it's not. This is not about you and me. It's about Israel. Ezekiel just told us that. This is a promise relating to Israel. It's about a specific time and purpose. This promise that God is going to take what is dead and bring life. But you think about this prophecy for a minute. You think about the Israelites. They're in exile. And here comes Zeke. And he goes, listen, God's going to do all these things. He's going to restore Israel. He's going to give life to what is dead. If you are one of these people, what are you thinking? What question are you asking? Aren't you asking the question, when? Cool. I love that this is going to happen. Oh, God's going to make us whole again. Awesome. When? Like, is that happening later today? Is that happening next week? Is it going to be in a few months? Is it a couple years? Is this something that is like my kids are going to see? What, what is happening? They're going to want to understand that. Can't you relate to that? Don't you sometimes think, God, when are you going to move? God, when are you going to do something? God, when are you going to get me out of this circumstance? You can understand that. So that's what they're, they're going, when, God? When is this going to happen? And I think it's worth talking about this for a minute. And trust me, we'll zoom out. We'll zoom out of this and talk about what this all means for us. But understand a little bit about this, this prophetic vision. Often when we have prophecy, there are what scholars would call multiple layers of fulfillment. There are multiple points of fulfillment. There might be double fulfillment, meaning that it sort of has two layers to it. It could be triple, obviously, three layers to it. I think when we look at this story, if we want to understand it right, we've got to understand a little bit about the layers of fulfillment in this story, because I think there's a few. One is I think, of course, there's just the immediate fulfillment. So God says, Israel, I'm gonna restore you to Jerusalem. Well, guess what God does? He restores his people to Jerusalem. And guess what? He does it in just a couple of decades. They move back to Jerusalem. They're reunited with their families. They actually rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And so in many ways you could go, well, okay, this cool. This was fulfilled like pretty fast, right away, almost Immediate, But I think this has another layer of fulfillment to it. I think this prophecy is looking ahead. I'm going to call it the messianic fulfillment. And what I mean by that is, I mean, it's all about Jesus. I think this prophecy is all about, at least in a layer, is all about Jesus. Because what does God say? God says that he's going to open graves and bring life. What does God do in Jesus? He opens his grave. He brings life. And then God says he's going to put his spirit in his people. What happens? Jesus ascends to heaven and God puts his spirit and eternal life into his people. And so in some ways, I think you could say there's messianic fulfillment to this prophecy. I also think that there is a future fulfillment that's coming. That God says, listen, there's going to be a point where I bring revival, some sort of restoration to Israel, meaning I think God is going to take a whole bunch of people and they're going to call on Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, 
When's that gonna happen? Is that happening now already? Is that gonna happen in the future? Frankly, I don't know, and, and you don't either, but that's a future promise I think that God is making, that he's going to bring revival to what is dead. And of course, we know that someday Jesus is gonna come back and he's going to restore all things. And so as we learn, as we read the Bible, and we try and rightly understand things in it, that's some of how we read Prophecy, we try and understand it in the context that it's being spoken. But here's what's really cool. Here's what's so neat is that we actually get to zoom out from that. We can actually learn from that and apply it into our lives from that. So let me go back to what I said in the beginning, that when God puts his spirit inside of us, he gives us life. When God puts his spirit inside of you, he gives you life. And so he did it. For the Israelites, when he returned them to Jerusalem, he gave them life again. He brought their families back together. He did it in the person of Jesus Christ. He gives us life, eternal life. And I believe he continues to do it today. And that you and I can confidently say that if we have the spirit of God inside of us, man, we have life. Now, thought about that a lot this week as I was reading this passage and thought about this idea that, okay, the Spirit of God is inside of me and he gives me life, so I should be experiencing life. And I'm a skeptic, so one of the things that I bounced up against is, okay, I want to believe the Bible. I want to believe that what God says is true, and it says that when he puts his Spirit in me, I have life. But I kept bumping up against this question. See if this resonates with you. I kept bumping up against this idea of, okay, So why don't I feel alive? Why do I sometimes not feel full of life? I mean, do you know that feeling? Have you felt that way before? Like, you don't really feel alive? Like, man, I just, honestly, like, I don't even want to be alive. Not so much as, like, I want to be dead, but, like, I'm just kind of over this life thing. I don't really want to be alive anymore. I know for some of you, like, this is making you super uncomfortable. You're like, we're not supposed to talk about this in church. (laughs) Welcome to Faith Church. This is what we talk about. It's real life. So a couple years ago, in fact, right before I came, we came to Faith Church. I felt this way. Like, life was pretty hard. We had gone through some difficult stuff, and life was just really hard. And I remember talking to my wife and talking to some friends and going, you know, honestly, I don't really want to live anymore. I'm just going through the motions. I, not I want to die. I just don't really want to be alive. Like This isn't any fun anymore. I don't, I don't want to do this. This life thing doesn't feel like living. Have you felt that way? Have you felt like a valley of, of dry bones? Have you felt lifeless? If you felt like, oh, sure, from the outside, it looks good. There's, I got skin and a face and everything's put together. And people, if they look at me, would think, oh, yeah, no problem. But inside, this is no life. So I want to believe what the Bible says, that God puts his Holy Spirit inside of us and we have life. But then there's this part of me that goes, why do I feel sometimes like a corpse? Why do I feel like I'm going through the motions, like I'm without life? How do we make sense of that intersection. And the truth is, I think, I think it's a spirit problem. Let me, let me try and explain what causes this 
this thing where we feel lifeless. Because the Bible does say, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, I want to believe this. The Bible says that we have eternal life. Ephesians 2 says that God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. So through Jesus Christ, God saved us from our sin and has given us eternal life and put his Holy Spirit inside of us. And so just just the truth for a minute. The truth is, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm really glad you're here. No judgment, just truth for a minute. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God is not living inside of you. So as you go through life, you're not walking with the Spirit. The Spirit is not leading you and and guiding you. And so there's always going to be something missing. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is not living inside of you, we want to talk to you, okay? We would love to talk with you about that today. Again, no judgment. Just, Just telling the truth right now. What though about us who we have chosen to follow Jesus? Okay, we believe. God, your spirit lives inside of us. Why do we feel lifeless? Why do we feel some days like, I don't want to keep living. I don't want to keep doing this. Why do we feel like we have no joy, no zeal, no no peace? And I'm not talking about follow Jesus and you'll have this trite, silly, goofy sort of happiness all the time. I'm talking about soulful life and contentment. I think we find the answer in Ezekiel, but this time in the previous chapter, if you back up a page and go to chapter 36, it's still all part of God's this same promise. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, God says this. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Guess what word that is? New breath, new spirit, new life in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone." And give you a heart of flesh. See, what God does is he puts a new spirit in us. He puts his spirit in us. And his spirit takes our hard hearts and softens our hearts. and makes them soft and gentle and cuddly and fleshy hearts for a while. Until we become like the nation of Israel. And we start to go, okay, God, thanks. I got it from here. And we start to go back to old patterns of thinking and believing, and we lose our energy for life and our excitement and our joy, and we start going through the motions. Why? Because we have a big giant rock sitting in our chest. Think of the imagery that God is using through Ezekiel. Think of this picture. You don't know why you you, you don't experience life. You don't know why your life is without joy and, and zeal. It's because you got a big rock in here and imagine a stone inside your chest and you're trying to walk around through life going, gee, I don't know why I'm not excited. Gee, I don't know why I don't want to live anymore because you're burdened by this giant boulder in your chest. And it's not what God designed for you. It's not what, he doesn't want you walking around with this heavy weight in your life, this heavy burden in your heart. He goes, no, that's not what I want for my people. I want them to have a new heart. I want them to have my spirit, my Holy Spirit. And and, and by the power of the Spirit, God changes us. And he takes that rock. And he doesn't just polish the edges. He doesn't just make it shiny. He wants to completely replace it with a new heart. With his spirit. He wants to give life to your dry bones. 
So you want to feel that, right? You want to get back to life. You don't want to feel like dry bones. How do we do it? How do we get there to experiencing life the way Ezekiel and God are describing it? Let me give you two quick things. If you're a note taker, write down a couple of things. Number one is this. We get back there when we ask God for a daily dose of his Holy Spirit. Listen to me for a minute. Hear me for a second. Because here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit ever leaves us. What I am saying is that, you know, we need to be reminded that the Spirit of God lives inside of us. We need to be reminded. We, God, remind us that you live inside of us and you walk with us. You journey with us. You haven't left us alone. You haven't left a rock in our chest. You want to keep going with us. And God, you want to change us. We ask God for a daily dose of his Spirit. The second thing is this, is that you feed yourself a daily dose of God's Word. You want to have life? Feed yourself a daily dose of God's word. We've been talking about reading your Bibles a lot lately. Here's why. It's not just because we go, ah, here's another thing to do because we don't think you have enough to do. Listen, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Great, then whose understanding do we live on? God's. And when we do, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. God's word will give life to your bones. You don't need to come to church on a Sunday just to get your booster shot from Joe or Brad of Bible. You can open it during the week and let God's word nourish you. It will nourish your soul if you will ask God every day for that daily dose of his spirit and if you will feed yourself a daily dose of God's word. Watch. Watch what God does. Watch what he does with your hard heart. Watch how he softens it. Watch how he changes you from the inside out. Watch how he brings life back to your bones. And that feeling of, I don't want to live anymore, is replaced with God's heart. Watch. God will nourish you. Let's, well, let me just finish where we started. When God's spirit is inside of you, when God puts his Holy Spirit in you, he gives you life. If you don't have God's spirit inside of you, again, we want to talk to you about what that means. But listen, Christ follower, listen to me for just a minute. You're not a dead body. You're not dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. You're alive. And I know that right now there might be parts of your life that feel dead. You go, my marriage is dead. My career is dead. Maybe it's just your dreams are dead. Listen, talk to him. Talk to God. He put his Holy Spirit inside of you. He wants to soften your heart. He wants to change you. You're not a corpse. You are living right now. You are alive. If you're feeling dead inside, if you're starting to believe that lie, that your life is meaningless, that it's over, that it's dead, that there is some circumstance in your life that is hopeless, if you're starting to feel like your heart is hard, you've been noticing that you're mad a lot lately, right? Or you're judgmental. You are always cynical. You're arrogant. Talk to him. 
He's a good God. Talk to him and go, God, give me a soft heart. Give me life again. God, I feel like this valley of dry bones. God, fill me up with your spirit and give me life. Christ follower, listen to me. Hear the word of the Lord spoken by Ezekiel. Live. You are alive. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that he gives us life. We thank you that we're, we're not this valley of dry Though some of us today might feel hurt and bruised, you promise a bruised reed you will not break. God, we're asking you right now to fill us with your spirit, to remind us that your Holy Spirit goes with us and we have life. We're not corpses. We're not bodies that just look from the outside like they have it all together but are hollow on the inside. No, we have life. God, remind us now, thank you for Jesus, who when we look at Jesus, we always see a soft heart. We never see a heart of stone. We see goodness in life. God, remind us today. May we hear your words, the word of the Lord. We're alive through Jesus with your spirit. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen.